0: Friends, so often in life, unexpected things happen to us. And sometimes those unexpected things that happen are good, but oftentimes the ones that we remember the most are things that are evil, things that happen to us that cause us suffering or pain or struggle. And oftentimes those things are inflicted upon us by other people. Right? There's uh, a reality of suffering in our world. And if you look at the lives of the saints, they're no exception to this rule that we know in our own uh, experience uh, to a lesser or greater extent in each one of our lives. There's a a story of a saint that I'd like to share with you all today. Her name is Josephine Bakita. She was born around 1869 in Sudan, Uh, She didn't actually know the precise date of her birth because at the age of nine years old, really before she even uh, had established her own uh, identity, she was actually kidnapped by slave traders in Sudan. She was beaten and she was sold five times in the slave markets of that area. And eventually she found... um, herself working as a slave for the mother and wife of a a general and um, I guess Italy ruled that country at one time and she was actually treated so harshly that she bore 144 scars on her back for the entirety of her life. She was abused in so many different ways. and Then in many years, ten years of this type of treatment she was bought by an Italian merchant who gave her to an Italian consul and uh, who eventually brought her back to Italy with him. And she met through this Italian consul's wife. She was introduced to Jesus. She was introduced to Uh, a God who loved her. She came to know a a master that actually was willing to be like her. See, up until that point, she had only known masters who despised and maltreated her, or at best considered her a useful slave. But now she heard that there was uh, a master above all masters, a Lord of Lords, and that, that Lord is good. In fact, He's goodness in person. She came to know that this Lord even knew her and that He had created her and that He loved her. She was loved and by none other than the Supreme Master, before whom all other Masters are themselves known more than lowly servants. She was known and loved and she was awaited. And what's more, in her life, says Pope Benedict, This master had himself accepted the destiny of being flogged. And now he was waiting for her. She said this after encountering Jesus and giving her life to him. She said, I I know I am definitively loved and whatever happens to me, I am awaited by this love. And so my life is good. And through that knowledge of hope, she was redeemed. No longer a slave, but a a free child of God. And she was eventually freed from slavery as well. And on the 9th of January in 1890, she was baptized and confirmed. And she received her first Holy Communion uh, from the patriarch of Venice. And then she became a religious sister uh, in Verona. And she, she felt that the liberation that she had received as a child of God through her encounter with Jesus Christ... She, she had this urgent need, this great desire to extend, to hand on what she had received to others, to the greatest possible number of people, in fact. The hope born in her which had redeemed her, she could not possibly keep it to herself. She had to go out and reach many people with it. See, she, Sister Josephine, St. Josephine, she learned the love of the Father. She learned that she had a father and that she she learned that that love extended to the fact that Jesus Christ was willing to die for her, to, to be beaten, to become like her in all things. And that love that she experienced, that love led her to eventually be able to also forgive her enemies and to pray for those who persecuted her. She said this, she said, if I were to meet the men who abducted me or even those who tortured me. I would kneel and kiss their hands. For if it hadn't happened, I would not be a Christian today. That type of faith, brothers and sisters, is magnificent. And it's what Jesus is talking about today as we come to the end of our our time going through uh, the Sermon on the Mount as we're about to begin Lent. Jesus commands us today to love our enemies, to pray for those who persecute us. And that's difficult to say the least. And it's only possible if we, like Sister Josephine, know the love of the Father shown to us in Jesus that while we were still yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. While we were enemies of God, Christ died in order to show us how much he loves us, in order to restore us to right relationship with God He shows us the entirety of the love the Father made present on that cross, right? That he would come and he would die for us. He says, I no longer call you slaves, but rather I've called you friends. For I've made known everything that the Father has shown me. I've given it to you. His love is so powerful that it makes enemies friends. Think about that. We've come to know the love of God. A love which is not limited to loving only good people, but rather is readily expanding, always expanding out to all people. For he makes the rain fall on both the good and the bad. And Jesus invites us who have known, who have come to know the love of God into his own mission of making that love known to others. He eagerly desires that we would love him. And because we love him, that we would love even our enemies. That's why he commands what he commands today in the gospel. Sometimes, friends, we think that to be a good Christian means to just come to church and generally be nice to people who are nice to us. But to be a good Christian, to be a good Catholic, means to actively work for the salvation of even those who have harmed us. And, And throughout the world, even today, there are martyrs who are praying for their persecutors. There are people who are in risk of martyrdom in the Middle East, for example, right now, who are praying for their persecutors. There's people in Nigeria who are dying for their faith and they're praying for their persecutors. And we, as people who live in a country where we're able to practice our faith, we have to ask ourselves the question, are we praying for those who hurt us? Are we praying? Are we loving those? Do we desire eagerly for those, even who are our enemies, to come to salvation, to be in heaven with us? There might be people in this church right now that you have grudges against, who are in a sense enemies. There are resentment and grudges that come up in all of our lives, and perhaps people who have hurt each other or even here. And the question that Jesus places squarely before our eyes is. Are we willing to love even that person? Are we willing to desire that that person would come to salvation? And when I say love here, I don't mean like the sentimental feeling of like, I like that person a lot. No, I mean the willing of the good of the other as other. It didn't feel good to Jesus when he endured the passion, but he did it. He chose our good, despite the fact that it meant suffering. We found mercy here, friends. And we must invite others to do the same. We can love our enemies because He has first loved us. And often it won't feel good to love our enemies. But in doing so, we become perfect. As our heavenly Father is perfect, we can become like Him. When we love God, we're loving one who's worthy of love in himself. When we love an enemy, we're becoming like God because we're loving for his sake. So, friends, that's a tall order. How do we learn how to do that? Like every good teacher, as we've gone through this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives us an example to follow and a definitive way to practice He dies on the cross for our salvation, but he also leaves us a memorial which makes present that moment every time we celebrate the holy sacrifice of the mass. A few weeks ago, if you remember, we talked about how the mass is a true sacrifice. It's the same victim, it's the same priest, and it's offered for the same reason. We're not spectators, but we're participants. And week after week as we look at his sacrifice, which was which is motivated by love for us while we were still yet sinners, we learn to do the same for others. We learn to sacrifice as he does not only here in the church, but also in the rest of our lives. You see, this liturgy that we come to every Sunday it should be practice for the rest of our lives, it's gotta spill out from this church into every aspect of our lives, brothers and sisters that we're willing to make sacrifice. This moment of uniting ourselves to the one atoning sacrifice of Christ overflows and conditions then the rest of the moments of our lives. We need regular practice, so we come every week to learn how to do this, to learn from the one who did it first. Friends, I want to point out a couple of opportunities this week that we have as we begin Lent to allow the sacrifice that we practice each time we come here to overflow into the rest of our lives. right? So this Wednesday, as you know, is Ash Wednesday. I'm told last year there were about 3,000 people that came to, to Mass or to a Liturgy of the Word service last Ash Wednesday. That's amazing. That's about double the number of people that normally come to Mass. And so we have about double the number of services Uh, that we're having. We're having 10 different times that people can come and either go to Mass or go to the Liturgy of the Word and uh, get ashes, right? And we as a church, right? We as a church have to make a concerted effort. I'm asking each one of you to make an effort to make sure that people feel welcome when they come to Ash Wednesday, especially if they are not parishioners, especially if they're not normal people that you see at Mass, Everyone should feel welcome here, right? And uh, one way you can do that, you can sign up. On the front cover of your bulletin, there is a QR code. We need people to say, yes, I will be here to hold that door open, or that door open, or that door open, and to say, welcome to St. Joe's. We're so glad you're here on Ash Wednesday. You can sign up to do that. You can help clean bathrooms. You can uh, pray with people on Ash Wednesday. Or maybe on Ash Wednesday, you can only come to like the 6.30 a.m. mass. It's probably gonna be people who are normally here, right? Uh, you can do that. And then you can go early to mass, and then go to work, and um, receive those, having received those ashes, visibly show them throughout your work days so that you can have the sometimes awkward opportunity to explain why you have them, and invite people to consider coming with you to an evening Liturgy of the Word service, or going to an evening Liturgy of the Word service that we're having. Or perhaps you can't do either of those this Wednesday, right? But you and I are called as Catholics during this upcoming time of Lent to increase our campaign of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And I want to challenge each one of us here today to offer those sacrifices for the conversion of a specific person or group of people that God might be calling you to offer a sacrifice for. When you're not eating that chocolate or that bacon that you gave up, right? Bacon is so good. Or whatever you're doing for lit. Ask Jesus for the conversion of heart of another person. Beg that the Father would rain down grace upon the one you don't like right now. Jesus calls us friends to love our enemies because he makes us part of his mission and that's what he does. Will you love as he loves? Will you be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect?